0: John chapter 16. John chapter 16. Good to have everyone this morning. The sands of time are sinking. The dawn of heaven breaks. The summer morn I've sighed for, the fair sweet morn awakes. Dark, dark hath been the midnight, but day spring is at hand. And glory, glory dwelleth in Emmanuel's land. O Christ, He is the fountain, the deep sweet well of love, the streams on earth I've tasted. More deep I'll drink above. There to an ocean fullness His mercy doth expand and glory, glory dwelleth in Emmanuel's land. O I am my beloved and my beloved's mind. He brings poor vile sinner into his house of wine. I stand upon his merit. I know no other stand, not even where glory dwelleth in Emmanuel's land. Amen. John chapter 16. I'm going to begin at verse 20 and read down through verse 22. Verily, verily, I say unto you, that ye shall weep and lament, but the world shall rejoice. And ye shall be sorrowful, but your sorrow shall be turned into joy. A woman, when she is in travail, hath sorrow because her hour is come, but as soon as she is delivered of the child, she remembereth, she remembereth no more the anguish. For joy that a man is born into the world. And ye now therefore have sorrow. But I will see you again. And your heart shall rejoice. And your joy no man taketh from you. As always, I am greatly humbled by the text we have before us this morning. Events which took place in this upper chamber has always overwhelmed me. And every time the Lord leads me here, to preach I feel so unworthy and yet I long for that same fellowship I long for the same truce of which Christ spoke so long ago to be alive in my own heart these words were spoken over 2,000 years ago and yet the church still waits for the groom she's endured a long night of sorrow yet joy shall come in the morning last week we ended with 2nd Timothy chapter 4 when Paul said and not to me only about Christ giving him a crown he said but unto all them that love his appearing that love is appearing. I'm getting ahead of myself, but there's something about the absence of the presence of Christ which makes every believer incomplete in this present life. If you know not Christ, you know not of what I speak. The words I speak are strange and foreign. Today, when you look around at many Christians... Their lives and their attitude would make you believe that they're content in this life. Content having a little bit of Christianity and a lot of world. Yet beloved as true Christians, when we've truly been saved and converted by the Holy Spirit of God, even though we have fellowship with Christ in the person of the Holy Spirit, there is still a void in our hearts. Because of the absence of our Savior, Jesus Christ. This void is not by anything of ourselves. But because the same Holy Spirit of God dwelling in us, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession under the praise of His glory makes such a thing possible. Listen to what Paul says, that verse in Ephesians 1.13. This Holy Spirit of God, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption. The purchased possession under the praise of His glory. At salvation, we're filled with the fullness of the Holy Spirit and of Christ and yet there's this void that remains within us as believers as we walk and live in this present life, this void of the absence of Christ. And we long and yearn for that day when Christ shall appear. Yesterday, while visiting this dear brother, I could see in his countenance not only the longing for Christ's appearance, but I actually believe that I saw him wanting and yearning and longing for it even now at this present moment. Sometimes we as Christians forget that we're not of this world, but we're strangers and pilgrims. Sometimes we forget that we have a heavenly home. Therefore, we must thank God that He also, when times of forgetfulness like that, God will sovereignly and providentially as a loving Father remind us that this world is but a vapor. Whether it be a cross or a tribulation or affliction, sorrow or sickness, He reminds us, thank God for His mercy and grace. It is good for me that I've been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. It's good for me that I've been afflicted. Oh God, when my heart wanders and it's prone to wander, said the old hymn, then Lord, I pray you strike this earthen vessel and remind me of my eternal home, that I do not dwell here. This is not my eternal rest, but heaven and Christ is. For whether we like the Apostle Paul are near our departure out of this present world or have yet many years before finishing our course. All true believers, because of the earnest of the Spirit within our hearts, yearn and long for the appearing of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If there are many who profess the name of Christ who never even consider, let alone yearn and long for His appearing. For how could one truly love His appearing if they possess no sorrow or sadness for his absence now. Consider those words. How could one truly love his appearing if they possess no sorrow or sadness for his absence now? My dear brother, yesterday when we were speaking, made the comment that so many people Put the confidence or assurance of their salvation in simply words or a prayer, but not in the life of Christ. He said, It's all about Christ. It's all about Christ. I know the world today, many so called churches today, will give you an idea that conversion or salvation is simply a forming of words, a simple prayer, joining of a church. Yet, beloved, when Christ saves a sinner, there is a new creation. And God does a sovereign work with inside of that sinner. And one of those works He does is a longing and yearning for the appearing of Jesus Christ. A sorrow of His absence. Even though we have His presence inside of us in the person of the Holy Spirit, there's still something missing something we long and yearn for. This is no way a comparison, but maybe just a small one. When I lived in Germany for 35 years, being an American, there were times I longed to go home. I longed to be in my country. And there were times I really felt like a foreigner. It wasn't my land. It wasn't my language. It wasn't my people my wife is experiencing that now that's just a small example but that's how every true Christian should be feeling experiencing I'm here but I'm merely a pilgrim I'm a stranger we do not give much thought in meditation to our eternal home we do not give much thought in meditation to seeing Christ But we ought to. For the true believer, the length of his absence greatly increases his longing for his appearing. For the bride in the Song of Solomon, a wonderful book, was first made sick of love, it says, by the absence of her beloved. Remember when he reached down and touched the doorknob and she said her heart stirred within her. She rose up, went to the door, and he was gone. After that, she said, I'm sick of love. Why? Because of his absence. And we should be sick of love because of the absence of Christ and long to see him face to face and yearn to have him constantly forever in our presence. We rejoice that He's with us in the presence of the Holy Spirit. He's in our hearts and our minds, and yet we long to see Him face to face. Father, I will that they whom thou hast given me should be with me in glory, that they might see the glory that thou givest. That was the only time Christ willed something before the Father. John chapter 17. Never did he say, I will. He always said, if thy will. But when it came to us being with Christ in glory, our Savior, our mediator, our salvation, our redeemer, our kinsman, our friend, says, Father, I will that they be with me. Oh, I fear the church has all but forgot this message before God's people, and therefore God's people have become content in living in this barren world of sin. And yet I pray that God would stir in our hearts this morning as we Partake even of the Lord's Supper, that we would remember Christ, but like He said in His words, remember him till He comes again. I believe these verses in John chapter sixteen sixteen to twenty two I believe with all my heart that this was the most delicate and graceful moment of that amazing evening, for Christ speaks of weeping. And lamenting and sorrow. The disciples had not yet experienced. He said, Ye shall weep and lament. They had not yet experienced such sorrow and lamenting. Yet Christ said, you are going to experience that. And now He would always, and how Christ would always be sympathetic and consoling with them during such times. It's amazing how Christ knows our sorrows and our limitations before we even experience them ourselves. He tells them of an experience they have yet to live. Uh And yet He comforts them with the words that He understands and He's acquainted with their griefs and their sorrows. Look in Psalm 139. Psalm 139, verses 1-6. to 6. O Lord, Thou hast searched me and known me. Thou knowest my down-sitting and my uprising. Thou understandest my thought afar off. Thou compassest my path and my lying down, and art acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it altogether. Thou hast beset me behind and before and laid thine hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain unto it. Christ speaks of the sorrow and lamenting they have not yet experienced. Yet in speaking it, before they experienced it, Christ would prove that He's very sympathetic and consoling in their sorrow. The book of Lamentations chapter 3 says, But though He caused grief, yet will He have compassion according to the multitude of His mercies. You say, Preacher, could not Christ have spared them such sorrow and lamenting? Yes, He could, but sorrow and lamenting for the child of God is just as sovereignly, divinely ordained as the joy and rejoicing in Christ. This is the same mindset Job had when he said, Shall we not accept good and evil at the hand of God? Beloved, our sorrows and lamenting as Christians are just a part, just as much part of God's divine purpose for our lives as our rejoicing and our happiness. And when we begin to believe that and understand that, we begin to look at it differently. He who would occasion for their hearts to be troubled. Christ, in John 13, one of you shall betray me, one shall deny me thrice, and all of you will leave me. Right after that, He would also comfort their troubled hearts by saying, let not your heart be troubled. Christ would not only give us grief, but comfort us in that grief. Grief or sorrow, joy or happiness, all are at the dictate and command of our sovereign God. He shall weep and lament. Day by day, we sing that song. Have you ever noticed as you grow in grace and knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, your desire for hymns and worship change as well? When I first got saved, I couldn't fly away long enough, hard enough. But oh, now when I reflect on that song, it just seems so shallow and empty compared to Abide with me Fast, fall, the in time Day by day Who gives us each day what He deems best? Lovingly, it's part of pain and pleasure. Mingling toil with peace and rest. Oh, a child of God could bear witness to that. Oh, this modern day Christianity that puts on these rose colored glasses and tells people as soon as you become a Christian everything in this life is going to be rosy and well and good. Knows nothing of the true Christian life. How can this life be rosy, well, and good in the absence of Christ? Be still, my soul. The Lord is on thy side. Bear patiently the cross of grief or pain. Leave to thy God to order or provide. What does he mean? To order or provide grief or pain joy or sorrow leave to thy God to order or provide in every change grief, sorrow, happiness, joy in every change he faithful will remain speaking to our dear brother yesterday he said I'm so weak and tired I I can do nothing he said I can do nothing He's ministered for over forty years, and now he feels helpless. I can do nothing. I said, "Brother, do you still have a tongue? Do you still have a mouth? Do you still have a voice?" Yes. I said, "Then every individual that walks in this room, tell him about the unsearchable riches of Christ. You still have a voice." And when he prayed, when we prayed, he simply said, "Amen," and "Amen," and "Amen." amen. Leave to thy God to order and provide. O oh, love that will not let me go. O oh, joy that seeketh me through pain. I cannot close my heart to thee. I trace the rainbow through the rain and feel the promise is not vain that mourn shall tearless be. Mourn, not today. Mourn shall tearless be. In our text in John chapter 16, verse 20 again, a woman when she is in travail. That's sorrow. Isn't that amazing how He uses these, how He condescends to our level. This is God, the Almighty. He's trying to explain to us what an amazing God we have. They'll come down to our level so that we might understand His greatness and His mercy. A woman, when she is in travail, has sorrow because her hour is come. But as soon as she is delivered of the child, she remembereth no more the anguish. For joy that a man is born into the world. Beloved, Christ is not implying that our entire life in this present world will be one of continual or constant weeping, lamenting, and sorrow. For the believer is also told to rejoice evermore but that all such rejoicing in this present world will be tempered and allayed by such weeping and sorrow. We're the only ones that can weep and rejoice at the same time. Sorrow and be happy at the same time. Yes, we rejoice evermore. Yes, we have joy in the Lord. Yes, the joy of the Lord is our strength. And yet in this present world, that joy is tempered by grief and sorrow. Because as foolish and frail as we are, if it were not, we'd be content to remain here without Christ. But yet that sorrow and that grief reminds us this is not my eternal home. And though I possess Christ in the person of the Holy Spirit, how I long to look upon His face. And yet, even in these times, Christ Himself proves here in John 16, Christ Himself will always show a special and loving interest in comforting us. Do you know the comforts of the Lord? I have in 40 years as a Christian, and I'm sure some of you as well, All of us probably experience some time of great grief and sorrow. To know the Lord Jesus in the hour of our grief is to know Him in a way like none other. To know the comforts that only God can give is unlike any comfort man could ever give us. Oh, God will not leave us in this sorrow and lamenting. He will come and He will comfort us. The psalmist says, Thou tellest my wanderings, put thou my tears into thy bottle.
1: Are they not in thy
0: book? Let them, he says, not fall unheeded and unnoticed, but gather them drop by drop. For are they not in thy book? It's almost like he quickly reminds himself that God will never forget such tears. And one will say, well, why does God need, have need of a book or remembrance? Because that's what it means, put them, keep in, in remembrance, in memory. God has no need of a book or memory. But because He loves us, He condescends to let us understand how He, as our Savior and friend and Redeemer and kinsman, how He feels in comforting us and loving us. And, oh, the great mercy and grace of God, how He condescends to reveal Himself to us. We're so frail and fragile and Ignorant and slow, blind. And yet he comes down and he says, No, I'll keep your tears in a bottle. They're in my book. I remember them. The psalmist said in Psalm 6 The Lord hath heard the voice of my weeping. You know, he doesn't mention anything about being delivered from that. He just, he was comforted in the fact the Lord had heard his voice. Simply that God had heard his voice. That was sufficient for the psalmist. And beloved, that must be sometimes sufficient for us simply to know that the Lord hears our voice weeping. Behold how he loved him, replied the Jews as Christ wept over the death and absence of Lazarus. Behold how he loved him, Shall not our weeping over the absence of Christ prove our love for Him even more abundantly? Christ wept, and the Jews admired His love in weeping for His friend. We all know the verse in Psalm, weeping may endure for a night. I love how the Holy Spirit put that word endure in there. It'll endure for a night. It seems like it's never ending. It's long. It, the morning dawn does not come. The night remains too long. It lingers. The dawn light lingers. The joy cometh in the morning. And ye now, therefore, have sorrow, verse 22, but I will see you again. What an amazing verse, but I will see you again. And watch what happens when we see him again. And your heart shall rejoice, and your joy no man taketh from you. He remembereth no more the anguish. Beloved, the joy of seeing Christ will swallow up all sorrows of His absence. Every bit of affliction and trial and pain and grief we suffered in this life will be swallowed up in the joy of His presence. And I thought so much upon this verse yesterday when I was speaking to this dear brother who's longing to see Christ, who's longing to depart and be with Christ, that the time is quickly coming for him when all his anguish and all his grief and all his sorrow shall forever be swallowed up in the joy of the presence and face of Christ. One glimpse of his dear face, all sorrow shall erase. I will see you again and your joy Your heart shall rejoice and your joy no man taketh from you. Go over in Revelation chapter 21. Revelation chapter 21. Verse 1, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away. You mothers will probably understand this better than men. But you know when your child is grieving or in pain or sorrow and they begin to weep and the mother goes and gently wipes the tears from their child's face. When the child is in pain or grief, whether they believe it or not, the parents, especially the mother, grieves more. Oh, that I might take that pain away, that I might relieve them. They hate to see their child weep, cry. That's why God condescends again and says, God will wipe away all tears from their eyes. And there shall be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. Beloved, there's a certain void in every true believer that will never be fully satisfied while we are in this present world and Christ is in heaven. To be with Christ, Paul said, which is far better. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till He comes. So you see, it's not just remembering what He did on Calvary when we partake of the Lord's table. It's remembering His death till He come. And all those that love His appearing. Your heart shall rejoice in your joy no man can take from you. Ah, dearly beloved, may we rejoice in the fact that we have salvation through grace. By faith in Christ, may we rejoice that the Holy Spirit dwells within us, that Christ is in us in the presence of the Holy Spirit, and yet salvation will be first fully complete when we stand before Christ in eternity. Then His salvation shall be complete. Until that day, I pray that we would long and yearn for His appearing. And though sometimes in this world we suffer grief, sorrow, and lamenting, Christ takes a special interest in comforting and consoling us. He'll temper our rejoicing and our joy with grief and pain so that we might be reminded <laughs> that this is not our eternal home. May we young and learn for Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, dear God, for thy word which works so mightily within outside of our hearts, Lord, I pray as we begin a new year, which for You time is nothing, but for us it is, may we look forward into this new year looking for the glorious appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, may we yearn and long for that day. And Lord, when our hearts, which are very prone to wander, when they wander, dear God, we pray, send whatever is needful for us that we might turn our hearts and our affections again towards heaven and towards Christ. It was Robert McShane who said, Christ has come down from heaven and stole my heart and ran away to heaven with it. God, I pray, I pray, dear God, that You'd help us as we begin this new year to ever long and yearn for Your appearing. And Lord, until that day, comfort us in our sorrow and remind us that sorrow may endure for a night, but joy, joy is coming in the morning. God, we wait for that dawn when Christ shall come. Until then, Father, keep us in your love. We ask this in Christ's name, amen and amen.